Hello, I'm Caroline Carey. I'm a soul worker and soul doula. I have a deep understanding of the soul's journey from cradle to grave, and I've traveled between the veils of the spirit realms. I've studied the path it evokes, and I've come to understand why the majority of today's problems are rooted in the loss of spirituality. So my work, which is Middle Earth Medicine Ways, empowers people to find what is lost and to reclaim their own circle of strength by embodying their soul. And I do this by holding a space for healing and soul retrieval with shamanic skills, trance and conscious dance. I love creative writing and poetry. Please join me in listening to these wonderful teachers and soul workers, the facilitators and the guides of spiritual and shamanic work. They all have something very important to share and are a great gift to our communities. I've learned a lot from listening to them. I invite you to also. Jonathan, welcome to The Dark Night. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing some of what you have to share about it and uh, what your experience of it is, even. Tell me a bit about who you are and what you do, please. Well, that's a that's kind of a longer story. Somehow or another, I've managed to get to be ancient, 79 years old. And uh, when I was uh, a kid, I wanted life to be an adventure. I remember thinking that when I was eight years old or something, obviously probably a very childish wish and thought, but uh, in fact, I feel my life has been an adventure. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's been glorious. But I guess uh, maybe that's just the way I look at it. Maybe it's actually been very run of the mill, but uh, it's felt like an adventure. When I got to be uh, about I had this feeling that uh, my life really had to shift gears because of uh, I didn't do things quite the way so-called normal middle-class American kids do things. I, I managed to graduate from high school, although I didn't really enjoy it. I managed to get my diploma. After a year and a half of university, when I eventually went, I dropped out, started doing strange things, uh, and, uh, eventually got drafted into the army and sent to Vietnam and managed to live through that physically, came back and threw myself into university and getting married and trying to be normal. I didn't feel that uh, so-called ordinary life was living. Mm. Again, this uh, adventure thing came up. I dropped out uh, ag again and uh, spent uh, 10 years, I think people generally say, searching. I had been studying anthropology and I finished my anthropology studies writing a paper about uh, shamanism. And when I started writing it, I read about uh, a shaman of the Washoe Indians. Uh, a tribe most people have never heard of, a very small tribe of people who lived uh, in common language, a very 
primitive life. They went around naked most of the time, gathered food, and had a very uh, horizontal social structure. No, no chiefs. Although there were there were people who led the rabbit hunt or people who led the antelope hunt, but uh, which was done as a community uh, effort. And when I read about uh, this man and his life, and, and he was born at the end of that period uh, and, and grew up when the white influence was overpowering, and they made no resistance to the white people at all because they had nothing to resist with. They, they hardly had uh, even bows and arrows. And, and with such a loose social structure, there was no way to, to organize. <laughs> so I read about this man and he just amazed me. And I realized that this consciousness that he was talking about was exactly what I was looking for. And at that time I was living in Denmark. My ordinary reality life had pretty much fallen apart. I was living in a community, which again had no social structure at all. There was no uh, collective reason for us to be living together, except that it was this little group of buildings little red wooden buildings that were left over from the Danish army. So it was very much of a hippie community, a hundred people, plus some dogs and cats. And that was a, a perfect milieu for me to, to explore. I didn't have to achieve anything. I didn't feel any social pressure for anything, but yet I was able to uh, fit into and move with the social structure, which was incredibly horizontal, of this community. At the same time, trying to find my way into a shamanic practice, which uh, eventually did happen. And uh, I had some incredible experiences on the way. And uh, eventually it happened that I was given the opportunity to actually teach shamanism. That started in 1985-86, and uh, that's what I've been doing uh, ever since. And still here under the pandemic, you know, I, I heard about people teaching over the internet. I thought, how is that possible? But then when the pandemic came, it was the only possibility. And uh, in fact, it, it's the thing about the internet is that it's sort of... Uh, Western civilizations attempt to uh, create a spirit world. <laughs> that's the way I like to look at it. So uh, that's, that's what I've been doing. And so since 1986, I've been doing that. And at the same time, when you're, when you're teaching, it has an, an incredible impact on your being. Right, because uh, not only you're teaching, but you're also learning. You're being thrown into situations that you never dreamed about before. 
and being thrown into situations that you did dream about and, and what to do with either when they present themselves. And, and, and this, is, this is how we learn. Yeah, no, that's that's really great. I, I I love that, and I can relate to all of what you're saying there, absolutely. And um, so, if we if if we were to you know go from that experience and how you've gathered the information and you've set off onto your shamanic path and your teaching, when we talk about the dark night of the soul, what would that mean to you if you had to talk to somebody about that? What would you tell them it was? <laughs> You know, I've been thinking about this uh, ever since you, you invited me to uh, join this conversation. It's 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 such a, a, a like almost everything in life very tricky, and uh, I think that uh, this is why a, a lot of us at periods in our life, for for a lot of people, maybe their whole life, uh, bring things into our life to deaden the trickiness right like uh television or drugs or or whatever you know just zone out i think the expression is the dark night of the soul what what is that for me uh it's a tricky thing because it's absolutely necessary it's something that happens to people and they either live through it or they don't. And I'm, I'm going to say live through it. I'm not talking about uh, physical life. I'm, I'm talking about spiritually. And if they live through it, then the dark night of the soul is, is uh, an invisible threshold. And my experience with it is, and I certainly cannot speak for everybody because I'm sure that everybody has their own experiences of it. But for me, it has been very much, I get in there and it's like being in a room where there are no doors or windows. And it feels like I'm never gonna get out of here. Nothing about dead or alive, just never. And that's what makes it so dark. But the thing is that uh, I have been lucky anyway up until now because the times I've found myself there, I have gotten out. I can't say through any wisdom of my own because I didn't feel like I was ever going to get out. But uh, since you, you asked me this question, I've been uh, pondering it off and on. And it's like so many things in life. You think, here I am. I'm never going to get out of here. I'm stuck in this job. I'm stuck in this relationship. I'm stuck in this body. You know, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, you know. And I think, uh, I think everybody experiences this. I don't see how anybody cannot experience. Life throws us so many curveballs, right? The miracle is that you do get out. And uh, one time my my spirit teacher told me this wonderful phrase, remember to remember. And that's the thing is that when I'm experiencing this dark night of the soul, I don't remember to remember. I, I forget that there, there is a, a door, there is a window, there is a, an escape hatch. 
I forget all about it. And that's why the darkness is so dark. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some, something really beautiful about that. I find it very beautiful. You know, it, it, it's like, yes, it's dark and it's terrifying in many ways, but there's some incredible beauty there. And, and for me, there's, it's about that deep surrender. We have to surrender to something in order to go through it. That not getting out, that it, it's like I have, to, I have to go through it in order for those windows and doors to be opened at some point. And I wonder what it is, and this is what fascinates me, what it is in society that, where we choose not to do that. And of course, like you said before, there's the drugs, there's the drink, there's the go to the doctors, there's take a pill, there's sit in front of the telly, there's do anything we possibly can to avoid it. But, you know, years ago, I don't know how many years ago, and, and maybe in certain cultures, we would have recognised that and said, OK, you know, we would nurture somebody through it and hold that space for them to go through it in whatever form that took. But we've lost that in society, just like we've lost the spirituality that we, we might be hungering for, and yet we don't truly know how to go about that, how to let ourselves, allow ourselves to do that. Do you... Do you get a similar kind of feeling around that? Is there anything you could say around what you think society is missing? Well, one thing, you know, that we're, we're missing is, uh, I know this sounds really weird for me to say this, but, <laughs> but I think one thing that we're really missing is a leadership that's based in love. The Washoe, Indians I was talking about a little while ago, they, they were living in an incredibly small groups, little tiny family units of five and six people. And sometimes they would join together to a group of maybe 40 to have one of these communal rabbit or antelope hunts, right? We, we don't have that today. We, we do have eight and a half billion people in the world or whatever it is. So there, there has to be some kind of structure there. There has to be. And the structure is based on, on gain and it's not spiritual gain. And it's based on the idea that some people are more deserving than other people. And the people who are not deserving are not worth worrying about except for what they can do for the people who are deserving. This in spite of the fact that all the great spiritual leaders whose teachings we have today talked about love. Just amazing that we've managed to survive. Uh, civilization is now, what, 6,000 years old, something like that, maybe 10. How have we done that? It's amazing. But the interesting thing is that on on the broad base of the pyramid, people know about love. They have compassion. And, and, and this, is, this is what brings us out of the dark night. It's, it's the acceptance of love on an individual level or on an outgoing level. Right? It's the acceptance of love. That's, that's what brings us out of the dark night of the soul. 
a few years ago, I went to the doctor and uh, the doctor said, whoops, we'd better send you in for some big tests. And I went in for some big tests and they said, whoops, you've got cancer of the intestine. That was a big whoops. I went into an immediate state of shock. I mean, I, I've all my life since I was what, 30, I guess, I've been telling myself one day you're going to die, right? <laughs> and uh, trying to remind myself, but still it's sort of an abstract concept, but then all of a sudden it gets put right into your face. And that's, that's dark night of the soul. And uh, Zara drove me home from the hospital and I don't think we hardly said 10 words to each other. I don't remember. But uh, when, when we got here, we sat down right where I'm sitting now, said, okay, these are the cards we've been dealt. How, how are we gonna play the hand? I was really thankful for having a, a spiritual practice that I could, shall we say, fall back on because I was definitely falling back. We did a, 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 lot, of, a lot of work together. Zara helped me out a lot and the spirits, my spirit helpers helped me out a whole lot. And so right before I should uh, be wheeled into the operating room, uh, I was <laughs> lying in this corridor where there's like a parking lot. <laughs> there were three other people who should also get operated in their operating rooms. And we were all parked there together, curtains between us in this little box. And I thought, okay, maybe this is the last thing I ever see. I want to take a good look. There wasn't much to look at, but I really looked was I wanted to live. I wanted to be alive in these last moments. And so when they said, okay, your turn now, I was ready. I went unconscious singing my power songs. That's uh, quite incredible, Jonathan. Yeah, and, and what a great message. Well, you know, it was, uh, Going from being in the room with no exit, right, to, to being in free open space. And uh, it was by asking for help right? because we, we, are, we are social animals. I won't say we're pack animals, but we're maybe herd animals and we need each other. And when we're in this uh, dark night of the soul, from my understanding and my experience, it's because there's nobody else. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been in this experience of being in a room where there was a total absence of light. It's almost impossible to stand up because there's nothing to, to, to orient yourself with. My respect for blind people is so deep. I think that maybe this is just a romantic idea that I have, but I think that people who are blind, they, they, must, be, they must be so wise in a way. 
Yeah, because they they must have developed the, their other senses so incredibly. I'm sure this is just my romanticism, but being in, in a, a black space, and this is the dark night of the soul, you know, even if you can see, it's a spiritually lightless place, a place without light. This is how I've experienced Would you say that people need a dark night at some point in their lives to really live? I wouldn't wish it on anybody, really. <laughs> but uh, but the, the thing is to, to what I've, I've come to realize and what I try to remember to remember is that it's an incredible gift, just like my diagnosis of cancer of the intestine. It was an incredible gift. I, I don't hope I get that gift again. Right? Once was enough. Right? As a friend of mine said, I've learned my lesson, whatever it was, right? <laughs> but it, it's, it's about being alive. And, and when I woke up after the operation, nurse was there and uh, he, he saw that I woke up in, in the wake up room. That's the way to do it in Sweden. There's a room where you go to wake up. And he saw that I was awake and he came over and he said, are you all right? I said, yes, I'm wonderful. I'm alive. And, and, and that's the secret, you know. And the, the terrible thing is that some people are tired of being alive. And this is the dark night of the soul. And this is no reason for living. Day after day after day, the people in Palestine, the people in Syria, the people in these places where there's just constant war going on, day after day after day. My time in Vietnam was an incredible eye-opener. Here I've been this lucky white kid who, who could say, oh, I'm tired of going to college, you know. And what kind of incredible screwed up privilege that was. When I saw a year later, a family of seven living in a tin shed, three yards by four yards with one bed and the waters of the monsoon rising up to almost the mattress and these seven people sitting on the bed, looking hopelessly out the, non the, the, the doorway. There was no door, there was a doorway. What's going on? These people live, they were living in a dark night of the soul. This is what the children were born into and growing up with, and it's still going on. What I have felt my job has been since I started with this spiritual practice, shamanism, has been to try to help people to know that they don't have to stay there. And it's, it's not easy to receive that message when you know, you're under bombardment 24 hours a day for 17 years. How long has the war in Syria been going on? So you start small. 
you start with yourself and 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 work out beautiful yeah and um you know in in our culture here say in the uk do you know that it's it's so different to those other cultures where there's war where there's so much deprivation and um like you say people living in in deplorable conditions um and it's and it's all relative isn't it you know it's like well people living through what they're living through here it, it's not that extreme it's not anything like that but inside it can be and if you don't have anything to to lean into if you don't have that spiritual practice or you don't have god spirit spirit guides or whatever you want to call it in your life then what happens and how do you reach somebody when they have none of that at all how do you how do you help them to find what it is they need to lean into uh way back in the beginning of uh, my shamanic life my my conscious stepping into shamanism as a as a, a way of of uh, walking in the world i had an experience where i met my teacher my spirit teacher i asked him i just blurted it out i was it was such an overwhelming experience that i just um, blurted out i said uh, how can i help people and uh, and he answered me he looked at me and his friend <laughs> looked at me and said you help people <laughs> and he literally fell on the ground and was rolling around on the ground in hysterics right and finally he exhausted himself and and my teacher was standing there with this very deadpan calm expression on his face and then my teacher looks at me and says listen to what they say and give them something and my understanding at the time and and still pretty much is that uh if i truly listen to what people say then i or my spirits will know what to give them and also give me the opportunity to give it to them and and you you can do that even if they don't have any understanding of spirituality or shamanism or, or anything on that level but that that's part of the listening right and so by by the deep listening uh i'll be able to hear or my spirits will be able to hear and tell me what it is that i should give them because it will be appropriate and something that they can receive that's beautiful yeah i love that jonathan um so you you've shared that you had a you know this dark night of the soul experience yourself and feeling like you were in that dark room and wanting to live and that was one of the key things for you yeah and i suppose you know what can happen when you talk about people choosing not to live it's um it's it's that moment where yeah that, that it's it's that that moment where you decide do i want to live or do i not want to live which is very very key and i think during this pandemic and at this time there is a lot of that decision making going on which is is heartbreaking in on many different levels and what is there a particular message you would say to people who were choosing that thinking or choosing or thinking 
that they really didn't want to live and what are the benefits of going through that? What would you say to them if you met somebody who was going through that? Well, I, I, I would listen to what they were saying, right? That was the first part of it. Listen to what they're saying and really try to uh, hear in the deepest meaning of that word what they are saying. And uh, it's interesting because when I, when I got back from the war, whenever that was, 1966, I, I got a, a job uh, running a Xerox machine in a research center. And uh, there was another guy uh, working there. And he was, probably had the highest if, or close to the highest IQ of anybody I'd ever met. And he had quit university because he felt it was a farce. He just, they, 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 I'm not learning anything there. And because of the way universities were structured uh, uh, 50 years ago, um, you know, it could well, very well have been true. And maybe he didn't belong in the university, but like he, he could not see any reason for being alive. And I liked this guy, but he, it was so difficult for him. And his soul was really crying out. And it was, as I say, I had just gotten back from Vietnam. I was 20, 24 years old. I had no idea what to tell him. But like I, I tried to reason with him, argue with him, cajole him, everything, you know. It was, it was a tragic situation. The shaman has a way of working. So when people come to the shaman and ask for help, then it's possible to, to, to do something. But if, if people don't ask for help, it's very, very difficult. And one of the things uh, I think about listening deeply to somebody is that maybe they can also hear themselves. Hopefully by hearing themselves, they can also hear a way out. And I mean, like I've experienced being in this room more than once in my life, as I'm sure everybody has. But again, it's this thing about remember to remember and that there is a way out of this doorless, windowless room. And it's through a door or a window that I can't see at the moment. But if I remember to remember that there is a way out, that's when I'll see it. I might have a hard time getting it open, but that's when I'll see it. And so in the beginning, you were asking me, what, what is this dark night of the soul? Right? And for me, it's, it is, and this is the one that's really hard to remember. For me, it is an invitation to step over the threshold into life as I've never known it before. I love that. That's, that's so, yeah, just really beautiful. And I, I can relate to that. I can, I can definitely relate to that because for me, going through some things without distracting myself with something else, but just allowing myself to go through it, something great does happen, something beautiful, something new and interesting happens on whatever level that is going to be. Um, and I'm interested in the, the part where maybe addiction comes into this, where people want to live, but they don't know how to. 
They don't necessarily reach for help from a person or a shaman or somebody who is a spiritual, works spiritually. Um, but then the, but they lean towards a substance or, um, you know, entertainment, whatever that might be, unhealthy relationship, codependency, you know, you name it, it's there. And, you know, we, so we try and bypass the dark night of the soul. So if, 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 if we were to get the message across that it's okay to go through it, to be with it, and to find resources that support us to go through it, would that make that much difference? Or are people innately going to lean towards a quick fix, you know, something that's going to take them into that addiction place? Because in a way, and I've heard so many stories from people who have addictions or substance misuse, that... Um, you know, that's the tendency is that, and the dark night continues in that area of self-sabotage, actually. And they don't ever really experience the benefits of that deep, deep surrender of the dark night. I, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And I think part of the issue is that uh, our capitalist society is based on the quick fix right this is how you sell cars right or motorcycles or pills or sex or, or whatever the quick fix and uh, the quick fix is never quick and it's never a fix something like the pandemic comes along i mean i've been thinking hoping praying maybe this is the thing that's going to open people, people's awareness to the fact that we haven't been doing this quite right up to now. Sure, there are millions of people who, who are perfectly happy, you know, who, who have comfortable lives, satisfying jobs, all that. And there are many, many more millions of people who don't, and we're destroying the earth. So I was hoping that maybe somehow or another this uh, pandemic was going to even the balance out a little bit, because it's got to get evened out. The ice caps are melting too fast. Right? The forest fires are raging. Right? California is burning. South Africa I said, more than 10 years of extreme drought, herds of elephants are dying, and thousands of other animals and people. You know, we're not doing it right. And all these things, they're all, they're all related. And the dark night of the soul has something to do with it too, because people are trying to fix the dark night with substitutes. Is it because that the information isn't there or the support for that isn't there or isn't understood or known about? No, the information is there. It's plastered across every newspaper every day and, and uh, the, the faces of people walking down the street. What I mean is the information about how to manage your dark night, how to, how to you know, how do we, you know, as, as a shamanic practitioner yourself and as somebody who works in that field, it's like, how do we help people to understand, you know, there is something more to this, that there is information that they can, that can help them through this? I don't know, Caroline. 
you know, it's, it's uh, you take uh, Christianity, Buddhism, Hindi, Islam, all of these religions have been telling people for several thousands of years, listen, do this. The information <laughs> has been there, right? So it's something to do about uh, the wax in the ears, maybe. Maybe so, maybe so. That's what it is. Um, but I liked what you said at the beginning there about leadership and, you know, this type of leadership that we have, you know, unless that leadership is, is you know, going to be that compassionate, loving, kind, you know, people, person, community that we really can trust and follow in and have some level of that spiritual connection themselves it's very difficult to to have that information there for us but in many communities now and there are many you know we're holding a level of that spiritual that the essence of that and and it's been a bit poo-pooed in the past but i think it's it's definitely and, and i've certainly seen that level that that beautiful um ethical and you know, um, you know, the way that AA runs, for example, you know, really based on, on spirit, um, and then other communities that have worked with people in this way. And obviously, you do, I, I aim to, you know, I, I constantly bringing that into my field. Um, you know, it, it's, yeah, I think that that leadership is, is very, very key to all of this. It's, it's part of the, yeah, the, the foundation that we need to make these changes, hey? And I think that there are more and more leaders, uh, so-called leaders anyway, who, who are saying these things. And, and, and uh, I'm so lucky to subscribe to three great uh, magazines, uh, Positive News, uh, Resurgence, and uh, uh, an American one called Yes magazine, Yes with an exclamation mark, who, who are, uh, every issue is saying, look, this too is going on. This too, these wonderful things people are doing. Uh, a lot of grassroots things where people are just doing amazing things for their neighborhood, for their city, for their block. So this, this is catching on, right? And, and more and more people are talking about this and, and putting it into action, a body into, onto the love that they feel. I even hear every once in a while a politician saying something like this, yeah? So maybe it's catching. And maybe, maybe it's, it's moving up the pyramid and, and maybe it'll get the pyramid to flatten out a little bit. We can hope so. Yeah. Maybe you can turn the pyramid into a circle, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I like that idea. So, yeah, I think we're going to come to closure here with this. It's absolutely beautiful what you're sharing. You're so clear about it and concise around it, which is really great. Is the dark night of the soul a necessity for human spiritual growth? 
rather than saying a necessity, uh, I would say it is a constant opportunity. Uh, it, it is a, a threshold. And I feel that everyone is walking around with a little bit of the dark night of the soul. And sometimes it manifests itself in an overwhelming way. And then it is this doorless, windowless, black room that we find ourselves in. To some degree or another, it is daily a part of everyone's life. And, and we are always looking at soul retrieval, aren't we? Like calling back different parts of the soul, which is a big, is part of the medicine for this, yeah? Part of the medicine, yes. And okay, now we getting into the specifics of shamanic work and, and other kinds of spiritual work, bringing the soul back home, calling the soul back home. The first step is to realize that something is missing. And this is why my teacher said, listen to what they say. Because if I deeply listen to what somebody's saying to me, there's an increased chance of them actually hearing what they're saying and realizing it's not because my father beat me as a child. It's because I'm holding on to that beating and it's time for me to let go. Granted, the problem wouldn't have been there in the first case if he hadn't beat me as a child. But so these things go round and round. Soul retrieval is a cure. It's a way of opening the door into this doorless black room of the dark night of the soul. And, and so uh, listening to what people have to say, you know, this is my first step. Their first step is saying it. And then the door opens a crack and then working together with them, maybe we can get the door opened a little bit wider and eventually they can step over the threshold. Primarily it's, you know, my work is my work and I can ask people to help me to step out of my, my dark room, but they can only help me. They can help me by opening the door but I'm the one who has to take the step. But uh, it sure feels great when I hear them cheering when I do take the step. <laughs> that's so great. Oh, that's lovely, Jonathan. Wow. Gosh, thank you so much. You, you speak so well on this subject. I know there's, there's just years and years of experience there and many people that have been touched by you and uh, I'm sure you by them. But um, it's, it's a, like you say, it's a give and take practice isn't it and uh, we learn so much from it is there anything in particular you'd like to just add to what you've shared with me today anything in particular that you, you feel know, is really important it's 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 not just my years of experience of helping people it's it's also the the suffering i've experienced and and this is you know this is this is such a hard thing to grasp and i've never really come to see it so clearly as I have in, in the last few years of my life, which is that the suffering that each one of us experiences and each one of us does 
experience suffering. That suffering uh, is, is, is not only an invitation to, to step into being a healer, right? It's also the nourishment of the healer, the first teaching of the Buddha. Life is suffering. That's just the beginning. And it's the suffering that carries us forward to the Eightfold Path. It's, it's really, a, you know, it sounds so hackneyed, but it's really all about love. And it seems like such a simple statement, but it is so many-sided. And just like love, it's so many wonderful things. And it's so much nourishment and suffering, as Thich Nhat Hanh says, no mud, no lotus. That's so great, yeah. No, I get it. And and it's it's through our own suffering and our own experience of the suffering and how we resource ourselves and get the help we need and get through it ourselves that we then have to pass on to others. Hey, So it's shared experience as much as anything. Shared experience and, and helping people to, to see that, in fact, all this mud they've been carrying around is filled with nourishment. So it's not just about, about getting rid of it. It's about transforming it. Shit to compost to flowers. Absolutely. Perfect. Spot on. That's so great. Oh, Jonathan, thank you so much. We live and breathe this work and it's, it's part of the journey. For me, soul retrieval is, the, you know, it's the main body of work. And it's not just the soul individually, it's the soul of community, soul of the land, soul of everything. The universe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we just keep working with it, hey, and uh, doing what we can. That's it. With love. With love. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening right to the end. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And remember, you can be in touch with myself or this speaker. My website is middleearthmedicine.com. We have a wonderful membership platform that you can join for just £5 a month. And we have lots of recordings and interesting information that we can share with you there, plus meeting online with regular groups. You can also find the details of our speaker in the box below with their links, their websites, and a little bit of information about them. Thank you for joining me and being part of this Middle Earth Medicine community. I hope you'll listen to our next show. Please follow, share, like, whatever you can do to help this community to grow. We really appreciate you. Thank you.